Si le gustaría escuchar un episodio en español, por favor escuche el siguiente episodio. Good morning, good morning everybody. My name is Larissa Davila and I am part of the team La Incubadora Podcast. La Incubadora Podcast is part of the Economic Growth Business Incubator, a local nonprofit with the mission to provide training, coaching and support to aspiring and existing business owners who face barriers to growing a successful business. Today we have a very special guest. Her name is Canis Vallejo and she is the owner of Remedios Consulting. We will discuss the obstacles that small business owners face with, when launching a business or project, a nonprofit, and how they can serve their community without neglecting the profitability of their businesses. She is the founder and principal of Remedios Consulting, and she's a serial founder, an intersectional organizer who has worked in social movements and philanthropy. She has built, led, and scaled multiple efforts and grant-making initiatives for racial, climate, and economic justice. She pairs her two decades of social impact experience with extensive training in the healing arts. Her sharp political analysis and strategic mind combine her with her keen business sense and highly relational sensibilities to position herself as a unique partner to nonprofit and philanthropic entities working to align with and strengthen social movements. In 2014, she founded Youth Rise Texas, where she worked alongside young people to build a healing-centered healing movement contesting criminalization and deportation. Ms. Vallejo is a co-founder of the Texas Youth Power Alliance and the founding board chair of Jolt Action. She previously worked aiding the growth of immigrant worker justice movement in the South by laying the groundwork for historic work-led victories along the coalition of Immokali workers, the Student Farm Worker Alliance, and the Workers' Defense Project. Cadence also loves to cook, eat, and write about food, and she is currently working on a book about the indigenous brilliance that undergrinds traditional Mexican-American food waste in the Southwest. She holds a master's in education from the University of Texas at Austin and was a Kellogg's Food and Community Fellow from 2011 to 2013 while working to build a youth food justice program for Latin American immigrant youth. Cadence has spoken and written widely on issues related to workers' rights, social movements, and immigrants' rights. She earned a Soros Justice Fellowship and was selected as a Robert Wood Johnson Culture and Health Leader and was a next-gen leader at Hispanic, Hispanics in Philanthropy. If you or someone you know wants to jumpstart a successful business or a nonprofit, Cadence is, and she is graciously accepted to share some of her wealth of knowledge with us. So, hi, Cadence. Welcome. We are so, so very happy that you join us today. Hi. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Thank you for joining us. And um, tell us a little bit more. Uh, your, your your trajectory, it's amazing. And you have done so many fun and powerful projects. And um, what, how did you get, how did, how did all of this experience lead you into Remedios Consulting? <clears throat> well, I think for me, the... Um, You know, it, it may not be apparent to people from the outside, but part of the through line of so much of my work has been um, obviously first and foremost about helping others, but also about um, education and coaching others. And so much of, as any leader will tell you, so much of a leadership role is 
really about those interpersonal relationships and being able to be a good coach to others on your team. Um, and so I think really, you know, from my, uh, from a very early age, I, I always, when I was little, I always wanted to play school and I always wanted to be the teacher. And so that led me to being a teacher for a little while and getting a degree in education, um, but also working in environments where I could learn. I've always been a lifelong learner and also be able to teach and share what I know with others. And so it was a natural next step after having started and worked in so many early stage organizations and supported other entrepreneurs starting early stage for-profit businesses to then transition to doing consulting work where I could kind of combine all of those things, you know, the coaching aspect, the um, helping other people and helping other people on their journey too. I think so much of, you know, our work as Latinas in this world is about like um, opening doors and then holding those doors open for other people, right? And like reaching um, to our side and pulling our other people in with us. And so um, that's really where I see myself sitting now. And, and it's a real pleasure to be able to, um, you know, share the wealth of knowledge that I have with other people in this way. That is that is so funny that you mentioned that when I was when I was growing up and the thing that I would do the most, I, I used to love to play to the little stores to let tienditas. And so um mm. and and now I'm being a business coach and, and you used to like to yeah, play that's to, so cute. to be a teacher and now you're being so you're basically doing what you wanted to do when you grow up and I guess I am in some way too. Um, but that is so that is so uh, so funny that you say it. And yeah, it is that what you enjoy the most about working at a at your career? Is it like sharing with knowledge with people? I think so. And I think really it's about helping. Really for me, it's about helping make other people's lives um, and their work easier, and helping um, people grow. Really, you know. Um, helping people who are ready to take that next step in their life and their work um, to take things to the next level and helping connect people to other people and to other kinds of resources and to help people think outside of the box, right? From um, having been a founder, I know so often when you're in the thick of everything and you're just trying to like get done with the things that you want to get done. And, you know, every time you get a big project done, there's always, you know, I used to always say, as a founder, it feels like that, you know, I'm I'm climbing 10 mountains at once. And every time I climb one, I look at the, over the horizon, I'm like, oh God, there's another 10. Okay, you know, and you keep going. And so when it's like that, especially in the early years of founding a business, it's easy to have these blinders on and you don't see outside of just what's right in front of you. And so what I love about, being in this role now as a strategic partner to other founders and other leaders is that I can help them think outside of the box and see things a little bit differently and help spark some creative solutions to some of the challenges that they're dealing with. That is that is great. I'm just reading this book by, I don't know if you're familiar with her, she's, she's a social venture capital uh, founder. And um, her name is Arlo Hamilton. Her book, it's uh, mm -hmm. the name of the book. It's it's about downtime. So she um, 
She's doing, she does uh, social venture capital for women and people of color. And she says that if, if you're a lifelong learner and you're a people connector, then you have made it in life. And, and that mm -hmm. it's very interesting that you're mentioning that, but I, I highly recommend that book. It's really nice. Um, Cadence, in your career, you have worked with numerous organizations and enterprises. Um, why do you think they fail to build profitable businesses? How, why do you think they fail to like go to the point where they're profitable and they can continue, whether it is non-profits or business? Why do you think they fail to be self-sustaining? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I think so often what I see leaders struggling with, um, whether it's a, a business leader or... Um, a nonprofit leader is that we we fail, and I've done this too. Um, fail to build the necessary foundations, back office, and operational support that we need to be able to grow a sustainable and profitable business. On you see, so I see so many businesses grow. Colleagues of mine right now, for example. Um, in the restaurant industry, They're, they've grown enormously. They have five businesses already open, five distinct restaurants. They're, for the most part, um, the newer ones are profitable, the older ones are less so, and their operations are slow. And so the employee experience um, is not keeping up with what an employee might expect of a, a restaurant group of this size, right? And So they're really struggling with those operations. And when I talk to um, one of the co-owners of the business about it, one of the things that we've uncovered is that she is operating with um, just her in the entire HR and operations role, basically using the same systems, processes, functions, and tools that she used when they owned one and two businesses. But now they own five and they're opening a whole slew of other businesses in another city. And so it's really time for that business to be able to update their operations. I think, you know, I've seen this happen too in my career in the nonprofit world where, you know, we have very little resources. And so, you know, everything you get is a donation and you're trying to really stretch those dollars. People are afraid to spend money on hiring senior level staff or mm -hmm. on hiring and contracting out specific services. And so we go in as business owners thinking, oh, well, I'll do all the bookkeeping and, you know, I'll do all these things myself. But what winds up happening is that so many of us who are founders and leaders and business owners, actually our talents are not in bookkeeping <laughs> or yeah. in HR and operations. Those are the things that can slow us down as business owners and prevent us from living in that creative and visionary side of our mind that sparked us to start the business in the first place. And so that leads us to another reason why I think businesses can slow down, not do well, or eventually end up um, unprofitable. It's because leaders are not able, business owners and business leaders are then slowed down and bogged down in the details of getting everything to kind of, you know, run in the way that it needs to. And they're not able to live in the side of their brain that really lights them up and sparks their creativity and helps them get in their, you know, their sort of power zone, as I like to think about it. Mm -hmm. And when you're not able to access that in your day-to-day -day work, 
you know, it winds up being a drain on you and eventually can lead to things like burnout because you have too many tasks in front of you. You're not not able to operate from your power zone, from your strength zone, or spend enough time there during the day. And so eventually everything feels like a drain. And when that feels like a drain, that business leader, that business owner is not able to then show up in the best way for themselves or their family or their team. And so all of those things can come together to create kind of a complex web of challenges for people that can be really difficult to see your way out of. What you're saying is very, very powerful. And um, and I agree with you. I see it also in the small business world. And I continuously tell people that they're failing to grow with their business. I tell them it seems like, you know, like those mothers that have a teenager that wants to be on his own, but they continue to baby the, the child. Absolutely. Yeah. So I see that sometimes business owners continue to behave like their business is a baby business and it's a grow like a big grown up business. And right. they need to, they need to, they need to perform accordingly, right? So, and and it's a very yeah. suffocating vote for the growth of the business mm -hmm. and for the for the energy of the leadership, right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. The other piece of this, I think, too, you know, is is um, hiring decisions, and I know we'll talk a little about this, but you know, hiring those leadership people in your business who are going to work with you as your leadership team, hiring those leadership roles as early as we can, I think is really, really important, no matter what kind of business you're working in. Um, because one person can't do it all. And when you have a leadership team, or someone else to be kind of your number two, your right hand person, that can help a business really grow in a good way. And I've seen my husband ran a small business for a long time. Um, <clears throat> And, um, you know, he didn't have that number two person. And so the business grew too big for him to manage it, really. And he still wasn't hiring that extra person. He was instead hiring people to, um, you know, kind of just do sales, point of sales. He ran a bakery for a while, so he hired this point of sales people, but he didn't have anybody supporting him with the operations, with the revenue, with um, any of the bookkeeping or things like that, or the client experience. And so those things really slowed him down. And um, I think that happens a lot to a lot of people and is very similar to what you're saying about we want to treat the business as a, a kid when really it's, you know, starting to be a teenager or an adult. Yeah, absolutely. So we, I, I think the conversation comes in a very, very, not, not on purpose, but in a very good timing for the people that are plan, planning for 2024. So it's always, to, mm -hmm. it's always good to reset. So wrap up the year and then begin the new year with a, with new objectives and all that. So how do you think that business owners need to prepare to have a profitable 2024? Like, what do you think they could do better to taking into consideration what you're sharing with us right now? Um, mm -hmm. what, do you, what do they need to do to prepare for 2024? Yeah. One of the things that I would recommend people thinking about is to really focus on the basics of your business. What are your, <clears throat> what are your, you know, one to three main products, bestsellers, what data can you pull about, you know, your revenue, your sales, your products that can help you understand what are those three core products that you're delivering to market, whatever those are. 
whether in the nonprofit world, that's, you know, a program that you're running or in the for-profit or small business world, those are concrete products that you're selling. You know, I'll use my husband's bakery as an example. He had a couple of breads that he knew were his top sellers. So focusing on those core products and thinking about how you can build upon the success that you have with those products on your revenue side <clears throat> is one piece of advice. Mm -hmm. The other piece of advice I would give is to think about what your major, pick one or two major pain points that you've run into in the past year to two years and try to think big picture about those pain points. So maybe it's that, um, you know, you are feeling like your team isn't performing. You have a good team and sometimes they do a really good job, but sometimes they're not doing as well as you would like them to. And you're not really sure why that is. Try to kind of step outside the box and look at the problem from the outside in instead of the inside out and uncover sort of like peeling back the layers of an onion. Well, if the team's not functioning well, what's getting in their way? Okay. And what's the barrier to those things and how, what can my business solve for on those things? Is it that um, maybe they need extra time with a senior leader? Um, maybe they need a little bit more training. Maybe they need an additional piece of technology, um, you know, or maybe there are things that your team is not doing well at that are simply human that they might not be doing well because frankly, it's hard to live right now. Things are expensive. Are, we have less and less time. Um, you know, the world is a little turbulent and we can't as business owners and as leaders solve for everything but we can solve for a few things. So maybe what the team might need is, you know, some additional team building time or a small wellness benefit if you're in the financial position to provide that. Um, but whatever it is, I want to encourage people to think about those pain points and to try to not just think about them as what they appear to be, but try to pull back, like I said, those layers of the onion to see what's behind that and what's behind that so that, you can come up with some creative solutions. Maybe engage people, um, like I said, to the left and the right of you. Who else are your friends that own businesses that can help you think about those pain points? And then pick for 2024 two to three main operational goals for your business that you're going to focus on. So okay. thinking about building your back office, thinking about your maybe your HR, your revenue functions, your bookkeeping, thinking about those foundational systems of support that you might need and how you can build in those goals into your overall work plan for 2024 so that 2024's goals aren't just about, I'm going to sell this many more products on the shelves or I'm going to you know, gain this many more clients. Those are important goals to have. And we need to have those other operational goals. Maybe it's, um, I want to hire somebody else to be on my leadership team so that there is a person that my staff can spend more time with, or I want to um, bring more training in or buy a new piece of technology for my team to work with to support them. So it'll be different for every business, but think about all of those things kind of in conjunction 
and then pick just two or three to really, really focus on for the year. So trying not to have so many goals that it's unreachable, but really narrowing your focus and keeping those things front and center for yourself over the course of the year. Those are those are great, 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 great um, um, recommendations. And for whoever is listening to us, I would highly recommend that you get a pen and a paper and write them down and work with your team. I was um, I'm taking a class at UT right now, and it's a uh, business decision modeling. And um, so we've been talking about about oil, and we've been talking about gas, and we've been talking about finance. And I told the the, the professor, and I said, "Hey." Um, I, I've been looking at what you give us and you say, so if you if you take this choice, you have 60% chance of success. But if you take this investment, this choice, or you invest this way, then you have 40% of uh, chances. And I tell her, I've been trying to think about how to implement in small businesses because that's where I work. And um, I've never seen this data so readily available. And she said, Well, that is because this information is very, like businesses are so naive and there's no data. So whichever business is able to develop that data for their own performance, it's going to be the leading business in the, in, the, in the community, right? In the ecosystem. And so it's very, it's very interesting that you mentioned this. Because what she was saying is those businesses or those nonprofits, those organizations that are developing their own business intelligence are the ones that are going to be more successful in the future because they're going to have data that nobody else has. So at this point, small businesses and more most of the time, nonprofits are little, little businesses as well. Um, so because they're, they're small teams. So if, if business owners invest time in having business intelligence and reaching out to their clients and to their loyal stakeholders, then they're going to be able to develop this powerful information tool that will help them make better and more educated decisions. So it's really, it's really good that you're providing that advice for the, for the community and the listeners. And um, yeah. I, I think that's powerful. And then you also mentioned getting the right tools for the employees. And that's also true. I, I, I agree with that as well. I don't remember which president it was that said that if you give me 10 hours to trim a huge tree, I'll spend the first nine hours filing the axe and then one hour um, actually trimming the tree, right? So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. planning is really, really important in uh, small businesses. So that's also a great Great advice. And and what you say about hiring leadership, yeah. Statistically, small businesses will um will close within eight years and not because lack of success in the business, but because the leadership wasn't able to clone them themselves and they close because of burnout. They're unable to yeah. to rest, they're unable to like have thinking time and they just get annoyed and go back into working for other organizations. So if Business owners started preparing for burnout way before they are burnout and they have this, this team on who to lean on, then they're going to be more power. They're going to be, their chances of success are going to be greater. So all this advice that you're giving us is very, very powerful. So to, um, so, so thank you. Thank you for sharing. And, and hopefully 
if anybody is listening to us and, and knows of someone who has a small business, please share this information with them because it, it could be a life, a game changer for their businesses. Um, how do you, how important is it to have a team that matches the goals of your business? Do you think that is, um, that is crucial for business success? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I was not aware that the statistics are that businesses will close in eight years. Yeah. Do more to, to the fact that there isn't um, enough leadership support than, than it is due to, to revenue closure, right? Um, that makes total sense to me. And I've seen it so many times and lived it myself in the nonprofit world, um, working in startup nonprofits and feeling burnt out and feeling like I just can't get um, everything done in, in the amount of time that I have. And it's not possible, right? And, and that feeling alone um, can really drive burnout. So I really think team is everything. And um, I think I may have said this already, but really, I think one of the most important things that um, leaders, whether they are nonprofit leaders, business leaders, um, you know, business owners can do is to think about how to build that core team as early as possible of other leaders who are going to support your business growth, who are going to interface maybe with your clients or maybe with your employees. Um, so that you as the business owner can focus on those things that only you can do, right? Exactly. So that's thinking strategically about business growth. That's building those new partnerships and representing your brand externally. Those are things that are um, really, as a business grows, the role that a business owner should be in or the role that a nonprofit leader should be in is really creating those partnerships, representing the brand, being the messenger and the face of the business and the voice for the business and the community. Um, and so often business owners, uh, nonprofit leaders are not able to play that role because again, they have clients that they're working with. They have employees that they're supporting. They have the, you know, bookkeeping and the kind of revenue projections that they're working on. And so, you, you know, I, I really think that your team is everything and you have to think about where do you want to be in three and five years and how are you building um, your teams across your products and your leadership to be able to support you to get there in three years or five years. Um, many times we see business owners um, in, in all sectors, uh, in small businesses and in this, you know, early stage entities, um, really being kind of a bottleneck. Um, yeah. Nothing can happen if they don't have their eyes on it, if they don't have their hands on it, if they don't give it the go ahead. And I really think in those first two years or so, it does make sense for a business owner or a business leader to have that kind of sight into all of those details. But after year two, three into year five, in that little pocket of time, it's very important to really start utilizing your revenue in a way to bring in a leadership team so that you don't wind up with 10 employees and everybody just reports to you. <laughs> because yeah. that's not going to work. It's not going to work and it will lead to burnout and it will prevent your business from being able to grow. 
you'll wind up having to say no to really amazing opportunities because there's only one of you and you don't have time to focus on that growth opportunity. Whereas if you had built an organizational charter, a business structure earlier, where maybe there are two people who report to you and then everybody else reports to them, that yeah. might serve you as an owner or a leader a bit better in being able to have that time to go and explore and build those additional strategic opportunities that are really going to result in long-term success. And we don't owe this just to ourselves, but really to everybody on our team, because when we're successful, everyone on our team is also successful and is able to earn those wages and put food on their own tables. Yeah, absolutely. And it's because, it's because, um, just delegating is not natural, right? It's really hard to delegate. And when you're overwhelmed with all this work, it's really hard. So when the business rarely starts getting to be successful, then it's, it's, um, it's it, now that you have money, you don't have time to train people. So it's just like a snowball that keeps growing and growing and, and you cannot train employees. Right. Is, is that the reason why you think employees fail? Is it the lack of training, the lack of understanding of their roles? Or do you think, how, how important do you think it, it is to have a team that is well-trained for success? Mm -hmm. I think um, that the training is, of course, crucial. But I also think um, if you are in a scenario where you have employees that, are, that, you, that you believe when you hire them, you made the right hire, and it's still not working for some reason, mm -hmm. um, then I think that's also on us as owners and business leaders and nonprofit leaders to look at ourselves and to hold that mirror up to ourselves and say, okay, where did I go wrong to here? To be able to identify for ourselves also our own growth edges or our business growth edges to see where perhaps the business may be missing something that that employee needed or where we as leaders may be missing something. I'll give you an example. Um, I experienced this uh, as a leader myself that I um, had hired someone who I knew was a really smart person. They weren't succeeding in their role. And I had to slow down and think about like, what is it that's going on here? You know, sometimes we hire people that we know are really smart. Maybe they haven't done exactly what we need them to do in this role before, but they've done similar things and they have transferable skills, as we say. Um, yeah. Those people may need a little bit more time, a little bit more coaching. And as a business leader, <clears throat> at the time myself, I was in a nonprofit, working as a nonprofit leader. I had too many things on my plate and I couldn't slow down enough to delegate clearly enough that that person was able to produce the results that I was seeking. I would give them an idea and say, hey, I want you to do this thing. And they would do it, but they would do it in the way they thought that it needed to be done. And I wasn't being clear enough about, I want you to do this thing. This is what it should look like. Here are the goals. Here is the budget. Here's what I expect. And really delineating what my expectations were clearly enough. And so that person would come back and I'd say, that's not what I wanted. So I had to look at myself in that situation and think, okay, where did I go wrong too? Um, you know, and so I think there's a give and take. Um, so much of it is about training our people well mm -hmm. and really being, as we said at the top of the conversation, being a good business leader is 90% being able to be a good coach and putting people in their strength zone too. So make sure you've got the right person 
working in exactly. the right area for who that person is. Exactly. That is that is very, very important. There's this book. I, I'm a book, book junkie, but there's this book. You're, you're you're bringing up so many things that are like really good. There's this book. It's called Extreme Ownership. And it talks about how leaders need to take responsibility for 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 their actions. Right. So if, if an employee fails, right. it's because you didn't train them right. You didn't hire them right, or you didn't give them clear instructions. So, so as you're saying, I I, I believe it's um it's also like they say in Spanish, yep. oro, oro molido, oro molido. That's very good information that you're giving us tonight, today. And um, what would you like people to take with them if they listen to this episode? What is something that is what is the key um, learning that you would like people to take with them today? I think the biggest thing that I hope leaders that I talk to and work with can can think about is really how to build more operational support for themselves in their business. Operational for support. some people that is hiring an external company to do HR, like I suggested earlier to my friend who owns the multiple restaurants. And so she needs to hire an HR director. Um, For some people, that might be contracting out your bookkeeping and paying someone else to do that piece of work that's going to take them less time to do it than it will you because maybe you're like me and you're not a bookkeeper. You're not a numbers yeah. person. So if I had to do my own bookkeeping, it would take me 10 hours of my time. But if I hire somebody, maybe I'm going to pay them $50 an hour, but it'll only take them two hours. And so... Yeah. Um, you know, thinking about those trade-offs for our operational support. And like I said, for some people, that's just simply hiring another um, senior staff or another senior leader to work alongside you to help prevent you from being that bottleneck and to free up more of your time as a business owner and a business leader to make those other strategic growth decisions that you need to make on behalf of your business. Absolutely. Great, great advice. Yes, um, totally agree with you. Um, can you can you share with us a little bit of, of Remedios Consulting? If I wanted if I wanted to work with you, or if I thought that I needed some guidance on my organization or my small business, what type of services would you be able to provide? Um, I think the way that I like to work with clients is very um, hands on and very boutique. So I don't have. Um, specific programs that I put anyone through. What I like to do is have one to two discovery calls with someone to understand wow. where are they at in the stage of their business growth, what are their major pain points, and what are they hoping to achieve in the coming years so that we can design a tailor-made um, set of services for them. For some people, that's coaching, and that's just working on who are you, What are you most interested in and how can you utilize your business and the opportunities in front of you to make the biggest impact in the world and to keep yourself as a leader satisfied and happy and working in your strength zone? So sometimes that coaching can then lead into, okay, well, let's look at your revenue and let's sort of think about your business design and maybe your operations plan or your organizational chart. I'm a very operations, policy, and process-focused person. So a lot of times what I find with leaders that are experiencing pain points is that we need to 
pull back the curtain a little bit and see like, okay, what's under the hood with these like operations here? Do you have a policy and a process for how that happens? Oh, okay, well, if we did and we built you one, that might actually happen a lot more easily. So, you know, it's it's very boutique and it's very sort of individualized, but I mm-hmm. think that that enables me to provide the highest amount of, you know, quality service to people um, rather than having a one-size-fits-all program. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And um, so if anybody needs um, help with their organization or their business and they need boutique services to provide for them, then I think Remedios Consulting could be your solution. So thank you. Thank you so much for being here with us. And I appreciate your time and all the knowledge that you have shared with us. And if anybody wanted to reach out to you, where could they find you? Um, they can reach out to me at my email address, which is Candace at RemediosConsulting.com, um, K-A-N-D-A-C-E at Remedios Consulting, that's R-E-M-E-D-I-O-S Consulting, C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. Um, and then they are also free to give me a call or shoot me a text. Um, that number is 737-471-6990. Perfect. Thank you. Well, um, that is the information to reach out to you. And thank you. Thank you for all these insights. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. And we'll chat a little bit more in our Spanish episode that is coming next. And uh, for the people that are uh, joining us today, thank you for thank you for your time. And if you know of someone who could benefit from listening to this episode, please share the link to, with them so that they can um, get a little insight on um, their prep for 2024. And remember that La Incubadora podcast is part of the Economic Growth Business Incubator, a business incubator in Central Texas that offers training, coaching, and support to small business owners with barriers to achieving success. If you would like to learn more about econo- the Economic Growth Business Incubator, please visit us at egbi.org and see you soon. Thank you.